following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good morning. Welcome this morning to Fellowship Bible Church. It's very good to be here. Back here in town for me, I was out all week and uh, enjoyed business meetings with the uh, Gospel Mission of South America. And... Uh, Missed our prayer meeting, but uh, we had plenty of prayer and plenty of meetings, so uh, that, those bases were covered there for me, and uh, glad that you were able to join for prayer, those of you that did, and uh, we're, we're here this morning, we're going to enjoy some good preaching from the Word, and uh, make sure you check that devotional out, we've already referred to it this morning, Pastor Odell did, and uh, it's a very helpful one, keeping us uh, in tune with prayer. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Isaiah, if you would please, in chapter 60. I also mention we're glad to have Jansen's mom and dad here, and uh, they are very happy to be holding that little baby I see. (laughs) So welcome again. Thank you for coming. And happy Father's Day to all. Those of you that are fathers, those of you who have fathers that are here or at a distance, and uh, I know some of you, many of you remember fathers who are uh, in heaven, and so we remember them with uh, grateful hearts. Isaiah chapter 60. Why did I pick Isaiah 60? Because it came after 59. For those of you that are visiting, very creative of me. We are almost done with our series in Isaiah, reading through it chapter by chapter. Chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Obviously, we have to be thinking in an Israelite context here, okay? Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like droves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first. To bring your sons from afar their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession 
for the nation and kingdom will not serve I'm sorry, for the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet." And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob." Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Amen. We understand very well that that correlates with the New Testament teaching on the nation of Israel, Romans chapter 11. You might find or uh, you'll see some of that same in uh, Revelation, especially at the end of Revelation, the The city will need no light of the sun, for the Lord will be its light. And so it very perfectly correlates together with that promised future for Israel. We are privileged to have Pastor John O'Dell with us and his wife, Winnie. We are very grateful for them and for their ministry. Uh, I personally am, of course, because when I need assistance in the pulpit, he is often available to uh, take that up and... uh, he uh, has done this for many years for us now. Hmm, I can't remember how long now, but it's been eight years already. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yes, you can. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Time will, time will pass. But I know that you will be blessed by his ministry. We were this morning and by his godly testimony, uh, their concern for the lost, and I pray that you will catch that and uh, run with it, because uh, the Lord knows, and uh, we ought to know, that our, our uh, families and our society, our culture about us, our friends, coworkers need some Christian to bring them and God together through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's listen carefully, give good attention to the Word, 
And as our brother said today, I forgot to announce this, but he really wanted us to bring a bag lunch so we could just sit here and eat while he keeps on preaching through lunch hour. Well, fall, yes. Well, we don't have a balcony here, so you can't fall out uh, from the third story and all of that. But uh, yes, I, I trust he won't continue his preaching until midnight. That 12 that comes is noon, not midnight. <laughs> Come along, brother. This water is for you as well. Thank you. God bless you. Well, all I'll say is if you see my, wa- my wife lift her hand, it isn't because she suddenly got the spirit. It's she's reminding me that time is running out. Every, every series that I ever preached in my church was a single message that I never got through and I had to continue it the next time. So I will only, the thing I remember about the first time I, I preached here after I left Dexter, you announced me by saying, Pastor Odell preached at Dexter longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so, Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, uh, we'll begin with verse 22. And basically, the Apostle Paul is preaching to pagan people in Athens. He's preaching on Mars Hill in Athens. And he hits some of the very basic fundamental truths of our Christian faith. And I decided to uh, turn to this passage this morning because it's Father's Day. And uh, so congratulations to all you fathers who are here. But I find that in this day in which we live, because these are fundamental truths of our Christian faith, Satan is working hard to destroy them. And it is incumbent upon us as fathers to try to instill these truths in our children. And it is a battle. It isn't just that, oh, it's difficult for us to understand or difficult for us to express or whatever. It is a battle because Satan is fighting so hard against it. And we see that Satan, at least outwardly, appears to be winning the battle in this country anyway and around the world. Uh, I don't know how far I'm going to get here, to be honest. Uh, I'll go as far as I can until pastor kicks me off the pulpit. But, uh, I, I do want to... I, I, what, what I'm really hoping to accomplish is to get you curious enough that you'll go back and study this passage on your own and dig even deeper into it. And as, as we set a pattern here, maybe you will follow that pattern. Also, I had in mind, I did not know until this morning that you are again going to take up uh, the art fair uh, ministry. I've known of your art fair ministry for years, and uh, I think that's a great uh, ministry that you have. And really, uh, 
the Apostle Paul's approach is very appropriate because, in essence, Paul was preaching at an art fair. It was the Athens Art Fair, not the Ann Arbor Art Fair. Uh, very similar to <laughs> See, I can even talk past or something this morning. <laughs> Uh, I'm being slightly facetious there, but actually it it was a gathering uh, of uh, people who wanted to interrogate the Apostle Paul on these new beliefs that he was sharing with them, new to them, not new to him, but new to them. And so as you have your art fair ministry, you're going to find that a lot of people are dumbfounded at the things you believe. It's new to them, and how do you deal with them? And I think that uh, I'm not going to give you the answer to all of those, but what I'm going to do is highlight for you some of the areas where you need to be well-versed in in order to be effective in the art fair ministry. Uh, You're going to have to go home and, and again, study on your own, but uh, I just want to point out some things. But Acts chapter 17 the Apostle Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopolis uh, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Now, if you, like me, are more used to the old King James Version, it says you're very suspicious, uh, superstitious. But it really means you're very religious. And the first thing I want you to know is that our faith is not based on religion. It is based on a relationship. It is based on a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. The fact is, we talked this morning in Sunday school about the fact that we as a nation once knew God. And the fact is that knowing God is extremely important. Uh, He goes on to say, you're religious, for uh, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom uh, whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim unto you. Now, one of the things that you're going to have to do in the art fair, is to proclaim the living and true God who is God alone. Because, believe it or not, in this country today, we are filled with false religion, with idolatry, even though they don't recognize it as idolatry, because anything that we worship apart from God is idolatry. And it is our job to proclaim not not to dialogue, uh, not uh, merely to uh, try to inform, but to proclaim. Amen. This is the living and the true God. You see, the fact of the matter is that uh, many uh, people today basically are too in love with themselves to know the living and true God. Uh, 
Turn over, if you will, to 1 John. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 17 because we're coming back there. Turn over to 1 John. Chapter 2. That's what we want in 1 John chapter 2. I always feel compelled to explain briefly that when I'm going through my notes here, it's because even though I have giant print Bible, my eyes can't focus on that size print, so I have to print out the verses bigger. So I did bring my Bible, and it's not that I don't use my Bible, honestly, but I just have to print out the verses. So if I'm shuffling through papers instead of turning in my Bible, you understand what I'm doing there. And I'm, I'm using, uh, for your sake, the New King James Version. If I stumble over it, it's because for 75 years I've used the Old King James Version. And sometimes it's hard to switch over. But First uh, John chapter 2, one of the things that we find in First John chapter 2 uh, is the fact that um, we love the world too much. Verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abideth forever now there there are two things uh even in our christian life sometimes the the bible talks about uh or i should say the apostle paul talks to the christians at corinth and calls them carnal christians they're fleshly christians all they think about is the lust of the eyes of the lust of the flesh and the pride of life the things that i want things I desire. Uh, not only are there fleshly, carnal Christians, but there are worldly Christians. They love the things of this world. And they, it keeps them from knowing the God of the Bible. We live in a society in America today that is largely humanistic. Man is above everything. Man is above God. We talked in Sunday school about the fact that there was a time when our nation was built on the knowledge of God, and we have it in the birth certificate of our nation, which is the Declaration of Independence. But all of the things that we once acknowledged as a nation, as a culture today, by and large, there are a few pockets of Christians in this country today. The last time I was here, I believe it was the last time I was here. I'm going somewhere with it. I'm not just rambling here. I'm going somewhere with it. So hang in there with me, if you will. Last time I was here, I, I made a statement. My wife corrected me later. She said, they may not understand what you're talking about. 
But I made the statement that I did not vote for either Trump or Biden, but I voted for biblical values. And she said, they may have thought that you voted for some independent candidate. No, I voted for one of those two men, but not because of the men. Neither one of those men are the answers to the problem in America today. It's the principles of God's word, and it's God himself that's the answer. And I've often said, not only did I not vote for Biden or Trump, because I don't think Trump is the answer. I don't think Biden is the answer. I didn't vote for either one of them. I voted for the one who held policies that were closest to what the Bible principles are. But the bottom line is that the thing that grieved me about the last election, therefore, was not who won and who lost, because that wasn't my main concern. What grieved me were the number of people that voted for ungodliness, totally ignored the truths of God's word directed by the God of nature, as talks about in the Declaration of Independence. The God who is over all, the supreme judge of the earth, threw out what he said and voted for those things that said, we can do whatever we want to do. Kill babies? Who cares? We'll even kill them after they're born. Big deal. God made us. He's the God of nature, and he made us man. And, oh, pff, who believes that anymore? I can be anything I want to be. That's what grieved my heart because I saw America had gone so far that so many of our people, not all of them, not every citizen, but so many of our people totally, outwardly declared their enmity towards God and his word and his rule and his truths. They love the world and they love themselves too much. You know, Satan is not opposed to religion as long as we don't worship the true God of the Bible. Worship anything else and Satan is absolutely thrilled. He's not against religion. We often think of uh, satanic worship as being the occult. Can I be blunt with you this morning? The majority of the churches in this area are satanic churches. Not because they claim an allegiance to Satan, but because they follow his way rather than God's way. They deny the God of the Bible, the only true and living God, and they follow the things that please them. And they establish idols of the heart, not necessarily idols of the hands, which Paul talks about here in this passage, but idols of the heart. What is important to me? And yes, environment. Used to be global warming. And then we all froze to death and they said, well, that's not going to work. So now it's climate change. 
The fact is that climate change has nothing to do with climate. It has all to do with globalism and control of mankind, the ruling of mankind. Rahm Emanuel, as you all are aware, said we should never let a crisis go to waste. And those who are seeking global control, those who are seeking to establish a one-world government according to what Satan wants, are having a field day with the pandemic, are having a field day with climate change. The fact is that they're following Satan's way. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You may think that I'm overstating my case. You may think that I'm being overly dramatic. Conspiracy theory, they, that's the, the term that they use to dismiss anything that they don't agree with. Oh, that's just conspiracy theory. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I'm going to condense verse 1 just briefly to get to the point. But beginning with verse 1 of chapter 2, You who were dead in trespasses and sin, that's every unbeliever, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You love the world, and if you love the world, you don't love God. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You don't have to wear all black with black lipstick and darken your eyes and wear uh, spikes in your head and... Uh, have tattoos all your all over your body to live according to the prince of the world. All you have to do is deny God and his word and you're living according to Satan's ways. You're under demon direction and control. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. What we see and what we have seen in this last year in places like Portland, Oregon and Minneapolis, demon activity, satanic activity. According to the works of the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Carnal carnal people, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. But God. But God. I had a Sunday school class this morning that that was really the two-word lesson, that I, and I never got to it this morning, but here it is, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. But God. Uh, this morning, and even as we go on uh, in our passage from Acts, it may sound a bit pessimistic, 
Sunday school this morning was a bit pessimistic, and it ought not to be if you know Jesus Christ and you know God through Jesus Christ. Because but God, no matter what. We find, we find that little phrase about 45 times in our English Bible. I think it's 44 times, but about 45 times in our English Bible. We find that little phrase, but God. And let me give you just a couple of examples. Genesis 50, verses 20 and 21, one that you know fairly well. But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive but God makes all the difference in the world Psalm 73 verses 1 through 3 and then verse 26 another example and I could and as I say I could give you 40 of them but we don't have time for that this morning Psalm 73 truly God is good to Israel to such as are are of a pure in heart But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, I look around today. My heart is grieved with the direction that America has been going and is going at greater and greater speed all the time. It's grieved. And it would be easy for me to get discouraged and downhearted. My dad, the only time in my life that I ever saw my dad weep with tears rolling down his face was when he stood and sang, God bless America. My dad loved this country, and I love this country, but I am grieved at the direction we're going in. And it would be easy for me to get discouraged and downhearted. I talked in, in Sunday school this morning about the fact that I do not personally expect a great awakening in America. I don't, I don't personally expect a dramatic change in the direction that our country is going. I think we're going to go downhill so that we can blend in to the globalism that Satan is setting up for the tribulation period. And it would be easy to get discouraged. But verse 26, Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God. You know, it's easy to get our order wrong. Uh, We can use as an example the 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan just before the Israelites were to occupy the land. Uh, Two of them came back and said, we need to go in. God's given us the land. We need to go in. Ten of them said, yes, the land is everything that God said it was. It's a land filled with milk and honey. Uh, When they came back, the grapes were so big that they had to carry them on a rod over their shoulders. It was everything God said. But 
There are giants in the land, fortified cities. They had their order wrong. They should have said, there are giants in the land, but God gave us the land. There are corrupt politicians in this country that are trying to destroy this country and are working successfully at it. But God can still save lives. I'm not praying for revival in this, camp, in, in this land, but I am praying that this individual and that individual, before Christ comes again, will come to know him as Savior and will join us as we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Just because we see the end apparently coming together doesn't mean we give up and we quit. Like the Apostle Paul, we proclaim the living God. We deny the world. We deny the flesh. We deny the adultery, the idolatry, and the adultery as well, but the idolatry of the world and lift up the living and true God in his word. Let's go back to Acts chapter 17. First thing we notice that he says as he proclaims the living and true God is creation. God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, One of the greatest battles we have in America today is in the area of evolution versus creation. And if your kids are in public schools or public university, state university of any kind, they're going to be bombarded with satanic lies about the origins of man and the origins of this world. I'm reminded of man named Charles Templeton. Uh, he's dead now. But years ago, back in the late 40s and early 50s, he was an evangelist. In fact, he worked closely with Billy Graham in uh, Youth for Christ. At the fact, and, and, and as a fact of the matter is that uh, Charles Templeton was even more popular than Billy Graham was at that time. He had mass evangelistic meetings. Thousands of people came to know the Lord through his ministry. He even started a church and pastored a church for a number of years, and it was a thriving church. But Charles Templeton didn't have much of an education, and he always felt bad about that. And so he started to seek out higher education, and he went to Princeton. I believe it was Princeton that he went to to get higher education. And he began to question creation. And he began to swallow Satan's lie of evolution. Charles Templeton, even though he had led thousands of people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, ended up writing a book entitled Farewell to God. Turned his back entirely on everything that he once believed. Instead of preaching, he went into being a newscaster on TV. Now, uh, let me hasten to say, thank God it isn't 
Charles Templeton or John O'Dell or Matt Posta who saved people. It's the Holy Spirit. And he can use anybody in anything in any, any method he wants to. Were the people saved under Charles Templeton's ministry saved? Yes, I believe they were. Was he saved? I don't think he was. As it says in John's writings, if he had been one of us, he would have stayed with us. He would not have departed. But the fact of the matter is, it was this issue of origins that was his downfall and turned him away from the Lord. And it will turn our kids away from the Lord. Uh, this past Christmas, uh, at my son and daughter's-in-law's request, my wife and I gave our little six-year-old granddaughter her first adult Bible. She'd had Bible storybooks before, but we gave her for Christmas her first adult Bible. She'll never know in all of her life how thrilled I was on Christmas morning when she opened that Bible, and at six years old, she turned to the first page and read out loud by herself, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I said to her, Jacqueline, do you know that's the most important verse in the Bible? If you can believe John or Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you can believe anything else in the scripture. If you don't believe Genesis 1, 1, 1, you might as well throw the rest out because nothing else going to make sense to you and that's really essentially what the apostle paul is saying the god who created if you're going to know god you've got to know the creator and beloved we need to be instilling that in our children now i'm not saying there are never any reasons to have your children in public education in public schools, sometimes we have no choice. But what I am saying is that if you're a believer, you better be sure that you're grounding them deeply into the truth of God's word. And you better help them know the answers to all of the lies that Satan is telling them because they're going to be bombarded day in and day out by Satan's lies. And you're, you can't say, well, it's only the cross that makes the difference. Oh, no. It all starts with, is there a God that we are answerable to? Is there a God that has a plan for this world? Is there a God that we are held accountable to? Is he the true and living God or isn't he? That's one of the great battles, spiritual battles that we're fighting today. Let's go on, Acts chapter 17. His immensity, he can't be placed in a temple or a shrine of any kind. Can I say, uh, there may be someone here this morning who has never accepted Christ as Savior, and, and you would say to me, ah, preacher, uh, you're just uh, using hyperbole. Uh, you're just exaggerating it because we haven't built temples to God. No, but maybe you've tried to put God in a box of your own ability to imagine what he can and cannot do. 
Maybe you haven't seen how great this God is. That's basically what they do. They build a temple and try to keep their God in the temple. And Paul said, the true and living God is too big for that. Too big for that. One of the amazing stories to me uh, in the Old Testament and then a commentary on it in the New Testament, the Old Testament, is Abraham back in the book of Genesis as he sacrifices Isaac. He's called by God to sacrifice Isaac. And you wonder how a father could ever bring himself to sacrifice his own son. Well, uh, I should say it's probably not as hard today as it has been in times gone by because look at how many parents are killing their own children in our wicked, vile world that we live in today. But there was a time that it would be unimaginable for a father to kill his own children, and yet Abraham did it. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that the reason that Abraham did it was because he knew full well that even if he did kill Isaac, God was able to raise him up from the dead. Now here's the amazing thing. Up until Abraham's time, there had never been a resurrection yet. There was nothing in his experience that enabled him to believe that God would raise somebody from the dead. But he believed in a God that was bigger than his imagination. He believed in a God that was bigger than his human experience. He believed in a God who was bigger than history. He believed in a God who could even change death into life. Do you have a God in in a box of your own making? One of the most influential spiritual leaders in our country today is a woman by the name of Oprah. She used to go to church on a regular basis, and she heard something in the, preach- in the preaching in the service, and she didn't like what it said. It was something about God being a jealous God, and she walked out of that church, and she said, I don't believe in that God, and so she has made a God of her own, and she has been preaching and teaching and influencing thousands of people to accept what we know to be a new age God, a God of her own making and imagination, a God in her box. Maybe you're doing the same thing. We, we have a God that's too big to be put in a box, but we've got to hurry along because we're running out of time. He's not an idol. He's not things. How many of us are worshiping things today? How many of us are worshiping money, profit? How many of us say, I don't have time to serve God because I've got to make a profit? I've got to make money. I want to have things. I've heard people say to me, Pastor, I can't afford to, to tithe and give to the Lord because I've just got so many bills. But you stop and ask, well, what are that bill for? What are those bills for? Well, I just got this big screen TV and I got to pay for it. Better to have God than a big screen TV. When I was going to school, Bible college, uh, I 
helped pay my way through by selling vacuum cleaners. Filter Queen vacuum cleaners. Now you got to understand that uh, I went to Bob Jones over 50 years ago. So a vacuum cleaner back then, a filter queen vacuum cleaner, I think it cost, back then I think we were selling them for like $700. I mean that was a lot of money. I wasn't very successful at it because people would say, yeah, I want to buy them, and I'd look around at what they had, and i you can't afford this. I didn't last very long selling vacuum cleaners. But the thing that amazed me is there were many beautiful homes that I went into with a big car sitting in the driveway, and I'd go inside, and there wouldn't be a stick of furniture in that whole house because they put everything into that house and into that car, that status symbol that would make them look prosperous to the world. Better to live in a hubble and have God than to put him in a box so that you can worship things, money. Can I, I, I need to, I need to hurry up because this is a big one in our world today. Satan wants to divide us and conquer us. But I want you to notice something. Verse 26. And he, that is God, hath made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth. It is the corrupt unbeliever in our world today, politician and otherwise, that's trying to divide us over the issue of race. Let me be very, very clear. According to God's word, there is only one race, and it is the human race. That's it. My dear friend that I've known, I was trying to think up the other day, it's been almost 20 years that I've known Thurman, sat under my ministry for a number of those years. You look at him, and you look at me, and what's the biggest difference that you see between us? Now, some of you might say, you're a different color. We're not. We're not a different color. We're the same color. He's just a d darker shade than I am. Biologically, biologically, the same material that gives me cover, color is the same material that gives him color. Now, I was going to stand up here and say, Another big difference that you can notice right away is that he has more hair, but he loves me so much that he's looking more like me all the time. You forgot to bring When I came in this morning, Dwayne said to me back there, good morning, brother. Now, we often use that as referring to the fact that we are spiritual and part of the same spiritual family. But there's a bigger truth than that. He is my brother. You know we, we share grandparents? Noah and his wife. In fact, the very first parents any of us had, Adam and Eve, same parents for all of us. We are of one blood. There is one race. Your pastor taught a Sunday school class uh, just a couple of weeks ago on the critical race theory. That's the world's effort to divide us and turn us away from God, what God teaches in his word. 
And the sad part of it is there are many churches across this country who are buying into it. The, new, the newest elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention is buying into critical race theory, into the division of this country. And it is a scheme of Satan to conquer us. The fact is, we stand together as brothers in the flesh and brothers in the Lord. And we will be in eternity forever. The other big difference between Thurman and I, he can sing and I can't. But other than that, other than that, we're family members. And I shouldn't just pick on Thurman. I, I, I pick on Thurman practically every time I come here. But you need to understand, I only pick on people I like. But the fact is, any of us here, we're all just one race. That's it. Black lives matter. So do white lives. So do oriental lives. All lives matter. And the fact of the matter is, you can see the corruption of the philosophy of Satan by just, you won't get it by watching the network news and the normal news because they won't report on it but all of these people screaming black lives matter and then ignore the fact that black children are being murdered in the streets of Chicago and the streets of Washington and the streets of New York City and we could go on and on but what I want you to know is that as, as we go through Acts chapter 17, and we've run out of time to go through it any further, these are issues that are fundamental issues, and we need to be well-versed in these issues. We need to know the answers to these issues, because these are the issues that Satan is using to destroy us. And it will destroy our families if we aren't careful. It'll destroy our churches if we're not careful. Because it is a spiritual battle. Can I say just by way of illustration. That the hatred. That I saw. Poured out upon. Our past president. Is not a rational. Or normal hatred. That isn't because. I think that he is the greatest example of what men ought to be I'm not saying that at all but the hatred that has been poured out upon him is because he stood up for nation nationalism and Satan is trying desperately to, to build his one world global government and he has a useful idiot and I use that in the sense that it is used by them, not just me, in the White House today. Somebody who's going along with his program. It is an embarrassment and it is a shame what our present president did at the last G7 conference. He is selling us out to globalism. It's all part of it. And the point is, 
that isn't just a battle of one man against another, one person's idea against another person's idea. It is a spiritual battle. And all you need to do is read the book of Revelation to to see that's the case, as well as many. It sounds depressing, but God, but God. God still saves. And we need to be urgent and fearless and determined in presenting the gospel in this world in which we live. And we may not have a great awakening and revival as they've had in times gone by here in America. But if we just get one here, and one there, and one another, we're doing what God wants us to do. Be faithful. Be persistent. Be well equipped. That means you don't come and just listen to the preacher and expect him to feed you everything. You've got to study it on your own. Be well equipped. And be about occupying until the Lord comes. Occupying doesn't mean just take up space. Occupying means we're busy about the Lord's work until he comes. Father, we thank thee for your love to us. We're thankful that we can know you, the one true and living God, creator of all that we are and all that we see. And not only are you the creator of it, but you're the ruler of it. And, oh, Lord, I pray that you might help us in whatever days we have left to be fervent with a sense of strong urgency, reaching out to the lost, even to those of our own family. Oh, how often we have prayer requests from broken-hearted Christians who have family members who have rejected you and turned their back upon you. But God, you're still able to save by your grace. Help us to be your instruments. Use us, Lord, and help us to be faithful. And, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.